What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to an episode of Bloke in a Bar, brought to you by Bloke Beer, the best beer in all the land. It's getting warmer, boys and girls. Get into your local, grab a case of Bloke Beer. It is designed for warmer months because it's a session lager, really easy drinking, fresh, crisp beer. Sit back. You've worked all week. The World Cup's on. You've got a bunch of sport on. The perfect beer is Bloke Beer. Now, we are in every single Celebrations bottle IGA Plus Liquor, Porter's Liquor in New South Wales and ACT. That's right. If you live in New South Wales and ACT and there's a Celebrations or bottle near you, you can go in, grab a case of Bloke in a bar. Plus, at Porter's Liquor, we are currently $52 a case in any Porter's Liquor in New South Wales. We're also in hundreds of other stores across Queensland, ACT, Victoria, Go to our website, put in your postcode. It'll show you the nearest stockers. So grab a case of Bloke in a Bar. That's what keeps this keeps us growing, keeps the lights on. It's the best way to support the platform. If you enjoy the content each week, you sit back and you, you love the podcast, grab a case of Bloke in a Bar to help us keep moving forward. And it's on top of everything, it's a beautiful beer. We've also got the brand new MIDI as well. But as usual, let's get straight into it, baby. Just a Bloke in a Bar. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar, also the locker room. I don't know what to call it anymore. It's been that long, but it is brought to you by Bloke Beer, the greatest beer in all the land. It's Aussie spirit in a can. Even, you know, Aussie spirit, English spirit, it's the same thing to a degree, isn't it, Jimmy? To a degree. It's a great beer, though. I'll Thank tell you, you that for sure. Thank um, you. I do enjoy... Uh responsibly drinking <laughs> absolutely absolutely so brought to you by bloke beer head to our website we've got a store located there it'll show you the nearest stockist but let's get to the great man james graham mate you've been you're a podcast mogul now mate <laughs> uh, yeah i guess um <laughs> that's one way of describing me uh yeah so i've got my um or oh, sorry our podcast um with a couple of uh, guys charlie and tony um called the by round mm. so yeah that's going that's going okay and we've got the head noise one as well which is a bit of a deep dive into to all things concussion related and, and how we tackle those issues so uh, i'm really enjoying it mate yeah mm. really really enjoying it what, what's something that i guess has surprised you did you because like when you're playing footy i bet you didn't think i'm going to be interviewing people after rugby league like i'm going to sit down and be an interviewer is there something that surprised you in the process of starting the podcast yeah, mate, do you know what? I know it's the old cliche, yeah. but I kind of thought playing rugby would last forever. Yeah. Playing football would last forever. Yeah. And I'll worry about it later. And <laughs> really, I, I always thought I'd just transition straight into coaching. Like, mm. just go, it, the game's all I've ever known mm. since I was eight years of age. I, fit, I left school. I had my GCSEs, which is like basically this equivalent of HSC, continued some further education, but then I had an opportunity to go full time. And I was like, well, of course. 100%. It's all I've ever known. Mm. Um, and maybe if life had panned out slightly differently, I would have taken that uh, like assistant coach's role or under 20s coach or whatever it may mm. be. But it just didn't pan out that way and got exposed to other opportunities. And then, um, yeah, just explored a few of those a little bit more um took on a role with with triple m and in the media and uh sort of the idea of a podcast had, had been brewing for a while obviously I, I came on your show a while ago mm. um the boom of podcasts um it seems to be a, the wave of the future or the way of the future so i thought well why not i feel mm. i can uh <clears throat> contribute something of value in that space 
But um, <coughs> no, I certainly certainly w- wouldn't have en- envisaged it um, while I was still playing that I'd be yeah, interviewing some uh, some of the game's greats. Mate, it's uh, when you think about it, how lucky you are to be able to just sit down and hear stories from great men and women. Like it's almost a, a privilege in a, in a, to a degree. Um, speaking of your podcast, the Buy Round. Outside of obviously myself, uh, what's been one that you've really been? <laughs> what's one that's barely been like? Wow, what an incredible story that you would tell people that are listening right now to pause it and go and listen to that potty now. Yeah, the the, the Wayne Bennett one mm. uh, springs to mind. We've only been doing it for uh, around about two or three months, so it's it is it is relatively new. But um, Wayne Bennett had never really spoken in depth to anyone before. Yeah. I was really. <clears throat> grateful to him for giving me his time and the opportunity i know he's not particularly fond of of media interviews anyone that's seen his post-match press conferences would uh would be able to vouch for that so i was really grateful for wayne to to come on and speak and 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 showcase the person that he is a little bit away from the media Mm. uh, and to his football and to his players he gave me a lot of great advice while i was playing under his under him for for England and Great Britain, he continues to do that now. Mm. Um, and yeah, he he's someone who I think people should should go and listen to and see a side of a of a person that is uh, very seldom seen. It's like when you think the name Wayne Bennett, it's like it's bigger than a person. It's like a concept that exists across an entire community that's impacted the landscape of England rugby league, you know, Australian rugby league sport in Australia. And then you're sitting across from the human being. It is really interesting, as you said, to hear the human being rather than the concept or the idea of what Wayne Bennett is. Because the idea of Wayne Bennett in a press conference after a game is different to the person that you're going to see in a podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> it's by design. He's like that after mm. a game. Um, he's he's a very intelligent person that knows not to answer for the sake of answering. And he, he knows there's, there's games being played in the media mm. uh, he plays some of that by playing everything with a straight bat yep just because you ask him a, a certain question doesn't mean he's going to give you the the answer that you're looking for mm. um and it might be short and sweet and succinct but that's him um and yeah on on the podcast we were on he he opened up a little bit he you know, just telling us you know a lot of people hear some of the you know some of the stories about wayne but never from him and just him even to him to hear him explain why he does certain things, so why he takes, why he emphasizes the point of war um, and battle, battle so much and and sacrifice, and <clears throat> you know, I I kind of knew what he was doing when I was when I was there. I was like, ah, I know what you've done here, but then to hear him explain about that, and then even things like him just he sits at the back of the bus, yeah like why he sits there yeah. i was like i kind of think you know what what you're doing here mm. but then for him to go into that explanation of why it was uh yeah it was really interesting i uh i was fortunate enough to be coached by wayne at the broncos and like when you're younger i was like a teenager 18 19 20 i think and at the time there's certain things that he may do where you're like i don't understand like why are you doing this to me or that mm. to me and then as you get older and you get more intelligent you go oh that was actually like a very planned decision by wayne that was either testing me to see how to react it might you know kick kick rocks or whatever um and yeah you're right it's like super interesting to see 
calculator is a wrong word because I feel like calculator has like a very negative context yeah. to it. But I guess prepared. Yeah, by design. Yeah, yeah. It's it's designed to get uh, or to test you to see how you respond to mm. that situation. It, it does always fascinate me that when you know, some players look back and go, "Oh, I was told I was never, I was too small, or I was told I was never going to make it." And I think, do you, do you ever think that? People told you that for a reason yeah. to ignite that fire in you to to prove people wrong because it's a massive motivating factor. Mm. Like we, lot, a lot of us are motivated by proving others wrong, mm. and we see it all the time. And I just wonder, some of those youngsters, if they get told, if they get treated, if they get the red carpet treatment throughout their impressionable teenage years, do they fulfil their potential because they've been praised the whole way? Yeah. But then you get that kid that got you. They get told, nah, it's not for you. This, mm. hang on, yeah, hang on, it's not for me. And that can be their driving motivation throughout their whole formative years. Yeah. They make it. And it's told you so. It's 100%. Like, good. I'm, well, glad, I'm glad you told me so because that's, that's why I did it. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's funny because I remember the specific times I was told I couldn't do it. I don't remember all the times I was told I could do it. Yeah. Even though I was told I could do it way more often than I couldn't do it. I remember I got sent to detention in year seven got told by, you know, the principal was there and he's like, mate, if you keep doing this, you know, what do you want to do with your life? I said, I want to be an athlete. And he said, come on, mate, what's the chances of that? I remember that shit. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. fast forward, uh, I was at like one of my like young, one of my first girlfriends, I was at her house and like, it's like a, a house party with like a parents, like a, you just a, just a, not like a party, but you know what yeah. I mean? Just drinks or whatever. And this dude, random dude, I don't know who he was, never saw him again, was like, I'd just been signed with the Broncos. He's like, what? You've been signed with the Broncos. You're way too small to play rugby mm. league. Um, and you remember that, but you don't remember all the positive ones. Yeah. And it's almost, a, they're actually a positive ones because it had more impact. Mm. Well, I, I can remember even like talking to people about my ambitions mm. and you can see that the look in their eye when they're, yeah. they don't, they're, they're like, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Oh wow! It's really good. Like that's <laughs> yeah. you want to you want to be a professional rugby player. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Like they didn't have the balls to say like you're not going to make it, but it yeah. was kind of like that was their personality type, not to be so brunt and direct. Mm. Or they didn't have that that re- level of relationship with you, but you could see the sort of look of <laughs> oh, okay. Like, good luck, mate. You're gonna need it. But, um, yeah, it's funny how those things do stay with you. Where yeah. yeah, the positive ones don't. It is funny like that, isn't it? Now today, the game. You retired two years ago now. End of December twenty twenty. So roughly two years ago. Yeah, yeah, about two years. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the state of the game right now? Because I would argue in the last two years, at least in I'm not sure about Super League, but at least in the NRL, we've seen more changes. Probably since in the last 20 to 30, 20 to 30 years-ish than we've ever seen in the last two years. What are your thoughts on the state of the game right now? I actually think the game's in a really good position. Mm. Um, you know, we've got things around concussion, which are, uh, are circling towards the top of the priority list. Mm. Um, I think we've come a long way. Classic example is the Sydney Roosters versus South Sydney um playoff game mm. the world arguably the world's best player is removed from the field to play for a category two mm. he doesn't return to the field after what 17 18 minutes 
I don't think that happens five years ago. No way. I don't think he's removed from the field at all. I think he continues on. So the game is making massive strides in that sense. Um, it's profit profitability is high. Um, it's unpredictability is high. We see these huge momentum swings in games. Uh, obviously, Penrith, I think, are, are, the, are the best team at the moment, the best club at the moment, but they're by no means a, a shoo-in. Um, the product, it's never going to please everybody. I think, you know, and at different times I contradict myself with what I want the game to look like. Mm. And sometimes <clears throat> I don't know if you, you can have both. Like, yes, I want to... So, the argument about video referees is is very topical at the moment. So where do we want? Do we want the game to flow? But we also want the correct decision to be made. Mm. Like, can you have both? Mm. What's that best medium ground? Unfortunately, what's dominated in the headlines is scrap the bunker. Yeah. But then, and let the game flow. Mm. But then, okay, well, we've, then gonna it be, we're going to have human beings make mistakes mm. and we're going to we're going to have some shockers mm. like can you imagine well it, it happened captain's it, challenge all it, the time cap, well captain's challenge comes into play which it, i think that's that is bought in to get the correct decision yeah or the opportunity for the correct decision but mm. it slows the game down mm. so what do you want as a game mm. like even a couple of years ago or maybe last year i think it was jackson paulo Foot out of touch against the Bulldogs, South Sydney. Mm. Missed it. So now every try goes to review. Yeah. Mm. Every, can they speed that process up? I think they can. Mm. Like it, it for me, it it's too delayed. They the decision making process, I believe, can be sped up. Um, but because that is looking at the minutes played, the total amount of game time versus how long the game goes <coughs> for. I think we're starting to see that. Um, mm. <clears throat> exceed any previous records that's due to the fact that we want to get these decisions right so where do where do we hang our hat a game that flows or we get the decisions right mm. it's it's really difficult and you're never going to please both sides of the argument and you concentrate more on letting the game flow then this side's going to get louder Mm. But if you concentrate on getting the decisions right, the ones that want to see the game flow, they're going to get louder and louder and say, mm. look, told you so, it's a mess. We're yeah. here for three hours We're with the NFL. Yeah. So it's very difficult. Um, what I'd like to see, and people get people laugh at you about, about this, but um, game, we need rules. Um, but I do want to see the game to flow as well. I think technology can can help. I think the bunker at the right time. But as long as it's... I, I would say to the NRL <clears throat> that they need to come out and say, hey, this is, we, we they designed the environment. They set the tone for the environment. So mm. if we're going to keep the game flowing as as well as uh, keep the game flowing, we can't be then criticizing the referees for, for missing things. Mm. Like if we're not going to bring the bunker in, if a player stays down, for instance, we're not, if we're going to ban the bunker, then all the stakeholders have to accept that it's for the greater good of the game because we mm. want a, a product that flows and admit that sometimes we are going to get some things wrong. Mm. So, but the, but the NRL needs to, it's important that <clears throat> if I was there, that would be my message, but how that's delivered and who that's delivered to is really important. One of those mm. being the fans, because, you know, I'm sure like yourself, you speak to punters in the street and they're so angry and about you know it's their life football is their life yeah and they get so aggravated by a decision it's like why 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 it's like well you know 
maybe the NRL aren't communicating to its fans enough about, okay, well, you've got to accept that mm. things are going to go wrong or, well, the bunker comes in because we want the decision to be right. doesn't matter what the overriding goal is. It's about the communication. Mm. It, I always, I agree with you. It's, it's so hard to find the balance between flow and the correct calls. Do you want 100% correct calls? I don't think we'll ever get that. So I don't think we should aim for that. But at the same time, you still want within reason. Um, but I, I say this to a lot of the time. Look, we've had some some shocking ref performances for sure. But we've also had shocking player performances. Yeah. So like I don't – to think that these refs are going to be of a higher standard than NRL players, well, I actually think we can't even expect that. NRL players are play, paid more and they've trained for longer at what they do. Refs aren't refs since they were five years old. Mm. Um, on top of that, I always ask people, Tell me a season where the best team didn't win. And it's very rare, mm. very rare where you would say the grand final was won by a team that wasn't the best that year. Yeah, I, I appreciate what you're saying. I think there's a couple of points there. Well, so I look at the hand of God. People are still talking about that. And the what? white and one? No, uh, Maradona. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I was at the rest yeah. again, hand of God. Yeah, well, people are still talking about yeah. that. Yeah. The hand of God with Maradona. Yeah. People are still talking about that. Yeah. You know, if you get the decision right, change the course of history. history yeah. you, you look to take away those howlers, but, you know, people want to, it's not just referees, because what referees are, they're, they're, they're authoritarian figures. Mm. And, you know, naturally, we we hold people in positions of authority to higher account. Mm. So for example, if a police officer was to, you know, be caught speeding, you know, the, oh, they'd be up in arms. How can you do that? You're supposed to uphold the standards of the community or whatever yeah. it may be. So mm. I think we do hold people in uh, positions of authority to higher account. Mm. Um, it's just a natural psychological thing that we do. I, I don't, know if it's conscious or subconscious because logically speaking yeah you you would say that well the referees that yes they're full-time but they're not as experienced we understand that the game is complicated there's a lot going on a lot for them to take in they've got the pressure of the crowd the players all this interference so mm. we understand that rationally but mm. it's an emotional game yeah. right mm. so and when emotions are running high you look for that person of okay, you're you're in charge here mm. The referee is in charge of the game. They mm. police the rules. Yeah. So we do hold them to higher standards of accountability as opposed to the player that made a mistake. Mm. Sometimes the players, you know, they get a barrage of insults for making errors, but not more so than the uh, from the um from the uh, the referee. So it's just I think it's just an interesting societal way mm. that we look for those people of authority and look to blame them if they don't get everything right yeah and that's that's where i i learned it's like it's the blame part mm. it's the i look at most games and there are some games for sure that you could say uh ref error like for example tigers cowboys yeah ref error boom there it is and jimmy jimmy graham one of the great calls <laughs> on triple m for that it's a robbery he's robbed him with a shotgun or something like that you cannot that's take this on the top sideways which denies Kyle oh, felt the no! That is a disgrace! That is a disgrace! That is a disgrace, Dan! That video wrestler, that this was shocker! This should be game over! Should that be is game a over. shocker! Are you kidding? Why are they, what, what are they challenging the full, the full-time the full siren went? The, yes. They're challenging the fact that the full-time siren went? What are they challenging? Still in play. There's no decision to challenge! It's just a tackle! 
Oh, Val Holmes will have a shot to win the wow. game. This is, this that is a robbery. There has been a balaclava, Look at a sawed-off shotgun, and someone's gone up to Townsville and robbed the Tigers of two points down. That hey. is a disgrace. <laughs> now, like, that's where I go, boom, 100%. Mm. I agree with you. That's a, that's a ref's call that's dictated that match. But, like, most of the time I go, like, most of the time, it's usually the team that, you know, deserves to yeah. win, won that game. And so, I don't know, I, I just, I, I understand what you're saying in regards to, because they're in a position of authority, they, they are held to a higher standard. Um, but it's more, I'm, I think I'm more working in the, the realm of, like, the blame. Yeah. You know, who, who's to blame yeah. for what has actually happened here? Is yeah. it the players that completed at 65% mm. or is it that one call yeah. in the first half that didn't go your way for a try? Well, and, and again, for a, a coach or perhaps a fan, it is easier That's to blame. easy as. It's <laughs> way easier to blame the referee than yeah. it is to take responsibility for, you know, how you've performed or how you've set the team up or as a fan that you love this team. Yeah. You know, you view the game through... You know, your team's coloured glasses. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, the opposition were offside all day. But yeah, of course, <clears throat> your team were yeah. onside and playing by the rules. And <laughs> the other team weren't. So. They're all grubs, but your yeah, team's got no grubs yeah, in it. That's, yeah, a, exactly. that's the one yeah, I love. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, this team's a bunch of grubs. Like, yeah. grubs. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, those throwaway lines. And we love that. We, yeah. love, those, we love those fans that, yeah. you know. They can't see the wood for the trees because <laughs> yeah. they just love their team. Like that's yeah. passion. That's, I, that's why I, we're I, so I good. That. That's yeah. why we're, we're such. That's what brings. That's why we love sport because yeah. of these people that they they know <laughs> they know. But how dare you say anything yeah. about that? And and even you look to a guy like Trail Mitchell. Perfect. Like he for the, came through at the Roosters. They love him. Yeah, he's the best. Yeah. <laughs> you fast forward. Yeah. You know, oh, then you know he's the. The best thing since sliced bread. He's yeah. gonna, you know, he's gonna be a rooster forever. He won his premiership, yeah. so, uh, and then he goes and plays for you know the uh, the red and green of South Sydney. It's like, huh, what? <laughs> you know, now we're gonna boom every time he yeah. touches the ball. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's just funny that. Yeah. But that, yeah, they have the heroes, but they love the colours. That's what it yeah. comes down to. It's the club. Yeah. Um, and yeah, of course, easier to blame a referee. Of course, they cost us because yeah. my players are perfect. <laughs> There's no way that there, yeah. there's no way it, if my my team if my players mm. didn't have that idiot out there with the whistle, <laughs> we would have won. Um, yeah, it's uh, you're right that that passion is a core ingredient to mm. the game's success because if you don't have the passion, the game doesn't oh, succeed. It's, um, it's nothing without the it's nothing without passion. Now speaking of passion, were you a young passionate rugby league player or were you a, a footballer as it would have been called football over there for you soccer? Um, growing up for you, was it uh, always rugby league or was it? Yeah, it was. Um, I grew up in Liverpool where the it was all yeah footy or soccer um, as it's known over there. Oh, it's footy over there. But um, yeah, I, I used to play with me me brothers and, and me mates, but. Um, probably was lacking in a little bit of uh, ability. I had a, a decent strike. I think you might on. have been a bit too aggressive for rugby. Slightly soccer. too aggressive, and <laughs> my, my my touch. Oh, really? My yeah. touch was it, it let me down. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it really did. That was. Did not you used a, to get nervous when like a, a long ball was coming? To yeah, you? there's not much control there, mate. You know, <laughs> and I I can really appreciate what those footballers do because mm. the, the level of skill is oh. is actually insane. And yeah, like. When you grow up in a place like Liverpool, 
because everyone plays. Yeah. The standard is so high. Crazy, we used huh? to like knock around with some lads that like trialed in like fifth division and couldn't make it. And we'd mm. play five a side with them. And it was like, for, for us, it was like Messi had turned up yeah. to this five Just skinning pitch. everyone. Just like, what? Like, how didn't you make it? Yeah. And it was like, well, for like a fifth division team, Southport. Yeah. Like, like you're the, you're amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But like, that's the, that's anyway. Um, long story short, basically my dad came from an area called Maryport, which is in Cumbria. He moved down with my mum to Liverpool and sort of ushered me in that direction. And I, I felt that my natural attributes were suited to the game of rugby league. Uh, and I loved it. It was love at first scrum. And then just, yeah, there was that. Love at first scrum. I like that. Yeah. It was that passion at first, like, you mm. know, I was competitive by nature. I felt at home on a rugby league field. I could, you know, it, it seemed to suit my personality type. It suited the attributes that I had. But then as I started to progress, um, I sort of realized that I was big, but not ridiculously big. Mm. And probably wasn't that <clears throat> strong, but I was conditioned well. Mm. And then I also realized that I needed another avenue. So I became a, a more of a thinker and a footballer. Mm. So that, that combination of passion and football knowledge, like I was a student of the game, mm. like I would watch things, okay, and, and learn from people. So when I got sort of introduced to the fringes of the first team coming and training like the, the summer holidays over there. I'd see people like, uh, it was Darren Britt and see how he had these attributes to like play short mm. and play out the back. So oh, that's interesting. Like that's another way of, of applying my trade if I want to make it as a middle because yeah, like I say, I was never, I, I was never going to be the old school battering ram. I, I knew that I needed to play with footwork and skill mm. and conditioning as my like fundamental elements um, and, and my greatest attributes were going to be based on those. Mm. Um, and as well, like I am just a big fan at heart. Like yeah. We talk about the, the fans being passionate. Yep. I was the fan that was, you know, on the wall of Nosy Road when I was a kid, like watching Saints every week. Yeah, um, I lived in Liverpool, but we, <clears> you know, after our games on a Sunday in St. Helens, I'd, most of the time I'd go and watch them. So I was very passionate. Um, one of the things that I, I didn't like as a fan was seeing players that appeared to not try. Yeah. And not care. Yeah. That, and and I get, and hey, I'm not knocking them, but I just didn't like it. Mm. So I always thought like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a player. I wanna be a player that I wouldn't be upset at myself if I was to be, if I was to be watching. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really interesting because that whole you know, when I was a player and, and I'd hear some fans get upset that players were smiling and shaking hands with the opposition, during, I was like, oh, you don't understand, like, I do care a lot. Mm. I'm going to go home and not be able to sleep, like, mm. 100%. But now as I get further away and I really start appreciating what these fans really sacrifice mm. to be a big fan, I go, you know what? You kind of do owe it to them to at least show them that you care yeah you know you may care but you've got to show them that you yeah. care yeah you a hundred percent like you've got to appreciate that for, for a lot of people this is like a big factor of their life yeah like people revolve their lives around it's a good week or a bad week yeah like it, really it, it, you 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 week your week revolves around it your holiday mm. planning revolves around it weddings Christmas's birth oh sorry not Christmas's but weddings birthdays all that sort of stuff mm. revolves around this there's a huge amount of sacrifice 
Um, there's plenty of other, you know, things in society that they could spend their hard-earned money on. And, mm. you know, rugby league fundamentally is a working-class game. Mm. Um, and that's never been lost on me. So I always thought, well, I've got to go out there and at least at least look like I'm trying. Because, again, I don't want to be that player that the young James Graham would be pissed off after being like, he just doesn't care, that lad, like, what's mm. he doing? Well, you definitely succeeded in that, bro. Definitely always looked like a kid. <laughs> um, I mean, that was... Was that a weapon that you used even coming through the grades? Is yes, you were conditioned. Yes, you had, you know, footwork. Yes, you could ball play to a degree. But I would say your best trait is your tenacity. You know, is that a learned thing or is that a natural thing for you? Uh, more natural. Mm. But then I had to like really consider how I used it. I didn't always use it to my advantage at times. Sometimes mm. my emotions could clearly get the best of me. But I was, yeah, I was probably quite a passionate pick. Well, it's that passion slash competitive nature. Mm. So I wanted to win. So how do I win? By like imposing my will on people, imposing my passion, making my, the care factor more important. Mm. Um, yeah, that's probably where it comes from is that that, compet that competitiveness mm. um, and, and wanting to win. And um, yeah, all those, all those little things would come with that. And so you're growing up and you signed with Saints as a junior in the 2000, year 2000. At what point in age did you really feel? Did you actually did you watch NRL growing up or just Super League? Uh, both. Both. Yeah, okay. I was as much as I could get, mm. like in those impressionable teenage years. Yeah, uh, as much as I could get. Yeah, in fact, wow. I tell a tell a story um, with Gordon Tallis was on our podcast a couple of weeks ago, mm. uh, nicely <coughs> filmed here, by the way. Yeah, um, I got the orange and black Nike boots because of him. Oh, really? The Broncos team. Yeah, wow. Like that's. Like there oh, was yeah. a massive level of obsession. I remember coming here when I was 15 on a tour mm. um, and buying like every dollar in my pocket went on NRL gear. Wow, yeah. Like I bought jerseys, I bought a, a Nutrigrain Steeden ball. Oh, really? Like, because we couldn't get them back yeah, home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like precious to me. So it was like, I'm going to, I never, I never kicked it. Really? I never left the house. It was like, no, that's so important to me. Like, what? it's just a, Nutrigrain steam ball that you couldn't get. It was like eighty dollars as well. Did it, what, what do you think it represented something to you? Like, I bought well, I bought like DVD, like the, the best of the Footy Show DVD yeah. from like the decade, the of, classic like, time. Yeah, yeah, like just watching it all. I, I, it was just, yeah, it was just. I was obviously be, being in England, we're very tribal. Like you support, I support St Helens and no one else. So I'd be very cautious of ever having any other team's kit on other than St. Helens. Oh, okay. So, you know, you don't want to be, like I'd never wear a Wigan shirt, Warren, never. Yeah. I think I had a Bradford Bulls jersey once. Yeah. But they were a bit further away, so that was maybe deemed as okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, coming, I, like I felt like coming to Australia, I was just an NRL fan. Yeah, wow. I used to love watching, um, funnily enough, um, Blacklock and Mundine. Oh. Like me and, me and, two gingers in yeah. St. Helens yeah. would pretend to be Blackwalk and <laughs> oh, good, um, yeah, good. We probably didn't quite have the pace of them, but <laughs> we, that's what, who we'd try and emulate. Um, so what yeah, I'd all, always loved and admired the NRL, but loved Super League as well. So I was a, I, I, I couldn't get enough. Yeah. Like probably good thing for my parents that they didn't have, um, you know, the, the like the 24 hour rugby league channels that they have now, oh, they couldn't get my. it there because 
wouldn't have left the I, house. I wouldn't have. I'd have just been locked in. Um, um, instead, I was focusing on that and championship manager or whatever it was. Um, well, just quickly with the mundane uh, Blacklock, what a what a good example of uh, bridging cultures. Mm. You know, like because you're, you're pretending to be someone that's from a totally different world. Yeah. And you 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 love them for. I mean, that's what rugby league's all about. Yeah. It's it's an even playing field. It, it is, and it and it does so much. Um, this is almost going to sound like a, a bit cheesy, but you know, like I, I played because I love the sport, but then it's probably not until I've looked back and reflected on my career and the impact that sport can have where I really appreciate what it can bring. Um, mm. You know, we, we were speaking earlier about, you know, our, the documentary and how politics interfere and mm. people look to blame, even speaking about how people look to blame and how. Mm you know, we can create division off the most simplest thing, playing Donkey Kong, yeah. creates division. Yeah. Um, now there's division in society, but sport has the, probably the, the unique ability to bring people together. Mm. So when I was playing at the Bulldogs, it's, you know, there's, it's the, the area of Belmore has changed over the years. There's a lot of, you know, Anglo-Saxons that, or, or, or white people that grew up supporting the Bulldogs. That sort of demographic has changed. You know that's in, that's that's now a, a different demographic demographic that support the bulldogs, but it's it's a very mixed mm. group of people. Now getting those people to agree outside of being bulldogs fans may be different. Mm. I don't know. I'm not going to speak for them, but I I would un, I would I'd be prepared to guess that there might be some division amongst the the people that support Canterbury yeah. in other aspects of life take you to the 2014 qualifying semi-final against Penrith we beat them that's all at the door yeah. you're in blue and white we are going to hug embrace and kiss yeah we'd have different views on sexuality and religion and yeah. you know what, what the future may look like what we want the future to look like for Sydney Australia the world whatever mm. but there yeah it was are you in blue and white yeah and if you are I'm going to give you the biggest hug because we are going to the grand final we yeah. want to join together I don't care about what that was that was parked at the door yeah and we were the, the fans were just there embracing one another and a couple of my um my, my partner was she was like it, it was actually amazing mm. to, to, to witness people just coming together mm. crying hugging kissing celebrating all because they were there with a blue and white badge on yeah. or with a blue and white jersey on yeah under the banner of the canterbury bankstown bulldogs yeah. and you go Far, that's pretty. Like, is there another thing in society that can bring people together like that? I don't. Know, I don't know if there is. Honestly, I don't I agree. know if there is. And and that goes back to the point about what sport means for people. It's that that way. Like, again, life's hard for a lot of people. People are going through their own individual struggles. We know about the the struggles with with mental health. Mm. Um, people have illnesses. You know, that life's cruel throw some awful curveballs at people and can be so cruel but then sport makes you forget mm. just for that just for that little passage of time that snippet of time you can go oh, I'm here mm. and then when you get a referee injustice you're yeah. like ah this is my time to, <laughs> yeah, this yeah. was my time to yeah. actually forget all that yeah. crap going on in my life I'm yeah. here but to the point it's it's pretty special what what sport can do. Yeah, uh, it has the 
the ability to to bring people together and it has the ability to make some pretty significant changes in society as well if you look back through sport and history it's it's certainly had the it certainly had a, a lasting impact on how society is structured yeah Oh mate, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely couldn't agree more. It's almost you when after a victory, it's almost witnessing the best of humanity. Like, yeah, it's it's the the all kind of history is for that second is a race, and you're living mm. in the right now. That's a person. I'm a person. We love the same thing. Mm. We love each other for a yeah. second. And even that, you know, you, you, so Rooster, Rooster Souths, mm. you know, local derby. Yeah. Like, Lot of so good. You know, lot of lot of lot of split families, mm. you know, split workplaces. Yeah. You're know, going into work on that Monday morning. There'd be people that are like, <laughs> like and then the South fans go in and they're like, Yeah. Yes. And just that like yeah. that workplace banter where it's like <laughs> yeah, but, and then all all the stuff that comes with that the the co- you know, it trickles out after the eighty minutes where it's like, Well, hang on a minute, what about <laughs> if he yeah. hadn't have done that, then <laughs> yeah. we'd have won. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but we scored. Oh, we scored with eleven, though. We only need eleven. Uh, you know, all the all these, yeah. and then like it, it affects people's lives. But it's the, the great thing about the the NRL in particular. Like, I, I think it, it it doesn't overstep that mark where it's like, what what do you say? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Where I know in other areas of of, of sport across the globe that. You might be want to be careful about well, the football that. fans yeah, you, over you, in England. Yeah, yeah. What, what do you say? <laughs> what do you say about Tottenham? Both. Yeah, yeah. So um, it, it, that's what that's what I love about sport, and um, that's why it's important that um, we protect it and we look after it mm. because it is one of the only places that I'm aware of in society that can that has the ability to do that. Now. You so you come over to Australia when you're about 15. You go back. You sign uh, in the year 2000. Do you remember, you know, your first experience with a first grade squad? Well, I can remember signing. I remember being like a little bit like, oh, I've landed. Yeah. Um, but obviously, the the hard work hadn't even begun. Yeah. So I'd have been close. But I was stoked, like getting a tracksuit. Yeah. Like that for me. Fuck, got the tracky. <laughs> so you know, good. Got like about five hundred quid, something like that. Felt like the richest person <laughs> in the world. Like I really did. Like we we didn't come from much, and uh, we always had enough. But we 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 didn't come from much. And um, mum and dad did, you know, did a great job with all seven of us. And um, but we we never really had opportunity to splurge. But for me getting you know five hundred quid mm. f- for si- like sign on. <clears throat> maybe a grand, I can't remember, but I was, this is amazing. And then mm. I'd had um, some interactions with the first team. They'd like, in, in the summer holidays back in England, yeah, they'd, they'd get you to come in. And yeah, I made my debut before I was actually an official member of the first team. Oh, okay. So that was a bit Wow, how'd that strange. come about? Uh, massive injury toll. So yeah. I think I was number like 31 in the squad. Were you 17? 17, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't ready, but it was just... Walk us through that, the debut and how it came about. Mate, yeah, well, there was a, a heap of injuries with a few of the Saints lads and I think there was three or four of us that made our debut that day. I was 17. Uh, didn't feel like I was ready. It was so different, mate. Like now, like you get your shirt embroidered with your, uh, James Graham. Yeah. You know, this is your debut game and all this and it's all presented to you. Back then they just chuck you the jersey. That was, it was just... Well, number thirty-one. I remember, I remember, I remember saying to the kit man, "Can I keep this jersey?" And it was like, I don't know. Like, 
But I'd, like it was my debut jersey. <laughs> and yeah. was like, oh. I don't think I kept my debut jersey either. Yeah. Like, you know, and you, and, and you just hand it back, he'd wash it and mm. I'm like begging him for it. Mm. Like begrudging, All right, begrudgingly gave me this, <laughs> this jersey. Mm. Um, but that was just the, the yeah. that was just the time. There was yeah. no, and rugby league in England was, was very different to over here, but mm. yeah, that was just a, a sign of the times. But yeah, I can remember some of those, um, like going in with the first thing. It was very different then and now you basically, uh, they bring you in, but you're, you're not there. really you, in. You're yet. just there to hold the pad, yes, and then yeah. you soon get, you get coffees. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Hold, hold the pad, collect the cones. Yeah. It was. You want to come train with the first thing, but yeah, you, you did. But I remember being like, well, when I get my chance, I got, I got to take it. But then that added pressure, mm. being like, I don't want to drop the ball. Don't want ne- being sort of frightened to death to make a mistake. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's the best environment to come in to mm. as a youngster, but. Um, yeah, it worked. Do you remember anything from your debut game at all? Yeah, I can remember it vividly. Only getting on after, came on, I think after like 60 minutes. I can remember it, it went so quickly and I can remember being like ridiculously tired after it. Like fatigue, like my lungs were burning. Mm. It was just that step up in pace, step up in physicality. Mm. Um, I'd played in the under 21s in England Mm. uh, and played against some, like you could have three old overage players. So I was 17 playing in the 21. So it was already like, like most of the squads were like two or three years above me anyway. So I was young, but then they'd have some like full grown men come in. So I remember playing against the Bradford Bulls that were stacked at the time. It was the reserves slash 21s. They were bringing some players through Mm. back from injury which was not a fun experience. So, um, <laughs> yeah. But that's that's what it was and uh, managed to get through and then uh, start training full-time with the team there. there um, November after making my debut in the August. What was your first pre-season like? I, I, I kind of feel like, you know, you have your first pre-season, for me personally anyway, and it's almost a bit of a daze. You're just like a young kid just trying to do your best. You don't know what's going on, but you're just ripping and tearing. And then like, it's later on where you actually start to actively think about what I need to be a first grader or the standard that is required. Um, do you remember a moment where you realize, wow, this is a standard? Yeah. So getting catapulted into that full-time environment where this is a, this yeah. is like now a, not a job, but it, you're going to do double training sessions. So I'd never, everything was, we don't only have a training in the evening, yeah. just like it is now. And you kind of, you're at school and then mm. you finish school and then you, you go and fire some weight in quick field session. Obviously you're very limited by time training into mm. the evenings, but then this is like the full-time environment. So you get there and then you do, you know, a, a weight component or, or something and then a field session or, or whatever it may be. So, um, that was, a. That was a big shock. Um, I knew I needed to put some size on. So, and I was never like a massive fan of weight training, mm. um, but I had to just do my best. Uh, I remember like really struggling with some of the weights. Like, yeah. and, you know, lifting in the academies, I was kind of like sort of middle to a, like middle of the road, yeah. which isn't great for someone that's trying to make it Be in the, the next first step. team. Yeah. And then obviously getting put into that and being just, yeah, way behind the eight ball and just thinking yep. like, I'll never get there. Mm. Like I'm never, how how can I get to that? Yeah. But 
my conditioning was always pretty good so that sort of made up for that um and then yeah just all the video sessions we just started wrestling sessions then as well that was a a massive wake up yeah um the 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 big pre-season days where you're doing you know some ridiculous conditioning sessions mm. then i think we went to um obviously doing the pre-season in the in the winter is challenging as well so then we can't imagine we go to uh we went to portugal for a week which was uh an eye-opener yeah to say the least <laughs> just uh, go just transitioning through that yep. like your few larrikins yeah it's like oh okay okay mm. <laughs> interesting interesting yeah. <laughs> um is there anyone in the squad that really took you under their wing and taught you i guess those really crucial lessons as a rookie <laughs> yeah there is actually uh he captained st helens england and great britain chris joints he was he was in his last i think it was his last year uh he he took me under his wing he, but not like super seriously he just he had a, a big soft spot for me a player i was trying to make it as a back rower he was a back rower mm. um yeah he he did a lot for me took me under his wing looked after me a lot yeah and um, i can remember actually doing we we doing uh so first day we did like you know you three rep max in squat and three rep max in bench press yeah i'd do one and i think oh maybe got more and he's like no no mate, just leave it there mm. leave like 5k in the bag yeah. and then when you come to repeat the test shows it just shows you're improved <laughs> and i was like <laughs> okay <Joe, laughs> um, yeah he was never one to that's a well, real he, veteran he, yeah that, that that's that a veteran was, that move was, that was that's a veteran move <laughs> you know so what if you like mate you you're the weakest lifter in here anyway yeah like who cares if you can put another five kilos on the squat rack but just make sure you've got room for improvement yeah so sure you can improve so oh, good. i don't know if that's the best advice for kids out there, but <laughs> that's what that's what i was uh bought up but yeah big um i uh, yeah jointy was 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 great for me he really was and he didn't need to be either so yeah um, and so you, you made your debut and then so the next year after making your debut is that when uh, you know you basically started playing full time or did it take you a, a few years because I, it says that you know obviously um, you know you already had leadership experience captaining England Academy in the famous series victory over Australia in 2004 so that was after you're, you'd already debuted yeah yeah so I'd already debuted there was a number of us that came over um, in that under 18s team that had already played first grade um I was I'd played a handful of games in 04 but probably wasn't quite ready to to launch it was more about it was more I I viewed that as that those games as surviving mm. like just survive just just survive and then it wasn't we came we came away um here got back I, I think I played um maybe one game after I got back. But in that season, it was the 2004 season, St. Helens won the Challenge Cup at Cardiff Millennium Stadium. Honestly, well, what a what a place to play a game. Saints v Wigan, and I'm just in the stands. And, remember, and then I got to go onto the field. Like, yeah. well, here's the cup. I'm not played, like, who cares? Yeah. I remember making a promise to myself, next time St. Helens wins something, mm. I want to be on, I'm going to be playing, I'm going to have my kit on. Yeah, well, yeah. I can remember being around the Millennium Stadium, speaking to um, a guy called Apollo Perilini, who was one of the trainers there. And I said, next time they play, 
in the final. I'm going to be playing. I'm going to have a jersey on. So that season finished. I think I played like six games. And then that 05 preseason, I was like, well, if you're going to get in the team, mate, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to show it. <clears throat> so I had a really big time away from, so that off season, I, I was ready to come back and rip in. Mm. So I was doing extra gym sessions, like hammering the conditioning, I mean hammering it. Mm. So I came back in 05, like to make an impression, like, hey, look at me, coach. Mm. I'm I'm ready to take this spot here. Mm. I'm ready for this spot. So it looked like there was a spot available on the right edge at St. Helens, at St. Helens. And I was like, well, pick me. Mm. And then I, I managed to get that spot for round one. So I was, Stoked. Uh, I did it. I did okay. Probably not great, but it was doing okay. Mm. We left out, got dropped from the team uh, after about five or six rounds. I was devastated. Was that the first time you ever been really dropped from a side? Yeah, yeah. When I thought like I'd earned my spot, and mm. then I got dropped. Didn't really have the best communication around why I was dropped. Mm. I was sort of searching Francis. It was Ian Miller at the time. Um, and I, I get he had other focus areas, but, and there probably wasn't there back then, or even now, to an extent in a lot of the teams in England, there wasn't enough support staff there to perhaps recognize that, like, he, got, he needs some guidance yeah, about, like, yeah. why he's being left out of the team. Mm. I did try to seek it and I did try to get some answers, but I couldn't really get much clarity on that. So, sort of, was scratching my head for a little bit. Anyway, Ian Millwood got sacked. Um, There's an intern. And then Daniel Anderson came over. Just so fortunate for me. I love Daniel. I credit him with pretty much all of my development, taking me from that fringe first grade player to an international was down to him. So he, he comes in day one. He was all, he'd seen me play in that England Academy touring game. So he'd seen me play yeah. over here. Because Daniel Anderson's from Australia, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's the, the old Warriors Parramatta coach. Yeah. Um, I think he works at the Roosters now. So he'd seen me play, mm. um, fortunately. So he'd seen me play over here. He'd also, in one of those earlier games, we played Leeds. I played quite well in that game, playing on an edge. We were playing Leeds in Daniel Anderson's first game. So obviously he's looked at the tape. He's mm. seen me play before. He goes, mate, you're... Um, you're coming off the bench this week, you're back in the team. I was like, oh, yes. He goes, where, you where do you think you're going to come on at? I was edge back rower slash middle, but I You wanted to be edge? I wanted to be an edge, <laughs> all due respect. <laughs> um, so yeah, he goes, no. I was like, oh, you're a middle forward, mate. Your edge days are over. Get it out of your head. Coming on, this is what we want you to do. Wow. It's like, all right. Yeah. Cheers, coach. And then from that moment on, I didn't really... Did you appreciate the clarity? The real specific, mate? Yeah, like, yeah, my head was clear. Yeah. Um, I can remember having that conversation with him and then a number of conversations after that, but I, I really didn't look back from that moment mm. and just maintain that spot in the side. I um, Yeah, and then that season finished. Um, yeah, handful, of, well, like maybe... 20 or 30 games, probably 20 games under my belt, career mm. total, including the ones from the year before. And then um, then Daniel set the standard for me again. He's like, you know, don't be giving yourself a pat on the back. Where are you now in the list of British front rowers? Okay, well, 
you want to play for Great Britain, don't you? Mm. Like, yeah. He goes, well, what are you, you, you I've got you at like 10th. Mm. You need to be in the top four. How are you going to get there? Mm. I was like, I uh, don't answer. And that was the, that was the end of season review yeah, that he well. had with me personally. I was like, oh. Good direction. Oh, mate. Am- really amazing. Clear. So that was just for me to go, okay, well, I need to go and get myself in the top four. Mm. I don't want to be 10th. Yeah. I want to be in that top four. If I'm going to play for, if I want to, you know, if I'd want to say I want to play for Great Britain, but I've got to go and do it. I need to mm. get in that top four. And he was, uh, he was amazing for me. He really was. I owe so much to him. It's uh, it's so interesting how, you know, some some I, I don't know I don't want to be like oh today's youth can't handle tough love or, or whatever mm. because I, I don't know I really don't know because I'm not in the systems anymore, but I I do find it really interesting is like some people may have reacted to that very differently like you're the tenth best front rower they could have focused in on that mm. and been like oh okay so you don't rate me then sweet like but yeah. you reacted it to oh okay I've got a plan in place now. I need to know I'm, he's given me where I need to be mm. and uh, now I can focus on that plan. Yeah. I mean, give me something to aim for. Yeah. Like, it was very simplistic here. Obviously there was some, you know, guidelines yeah. along the way, but give me something to aim for. Yeah, for and, sure. And go after it. Like he can't help, like people can't hold your hand through your whole life. You got to take responsibility for your aspirations. Mm. Like, you, you, Ultimately, it was up to me. Yeah, like he he knew I had he saw something in me. He knew I had the potential. Mm. But you know, he, like on the field, he can't hold my hand. Yeah. all walks of life, he couldn't. But he, he sort of just helped me, so not plant the seed, but just put a bit of water on it and just mm. yeah, get it going. Mm. And so, two thousand and six, you come off the bench, uh, the Challenge Cup final victory over Huddersfield. Um, do you remember that at all? Yeah, I do. Yeah, uh, that was the. The first final that Saints played in yeah. after that game in 2004, I made the promise to myself. So yeah, I remember it very well. Um, was it Twickenham? Me and a there was about I think there was maybe five or six of us that had come through together that played in that team as well. So yeah, incredibly special to to share those moments with. Um, what do you remember? What's something that stands out in the game for you? This is so bad. So um, me and James Roby, the um, best player I've ever played with. That's a side issue. Without James Roby, did you say? Yeah. Uh, So him and I had come through together. Mm. Uh, We'd we'd both done our stint. We'd both come off. And we had one substitute left. The game was in the bag. I think it was like five minutes left. There was one sub left. And Daniel goes to us, who's going on? We both wanted to go back on to finish the game. No way. And he goes, you've got to rock off for it. No way. <laughs> and I won the rock off and go on. <laughs> yeah. In the, yeah. the game defining moment. Oh, no, the game was gone. The game was then. gone. It was like okay. five minutes to go. Okay, yeah, okay. Five minutes to go, you know, like we yeah, were, yeah. I think we were three or four scores ahead. Yeah. Because there's one sub left. But you got to get it and finish the game, I do got these to ones. the game, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> does he always, does he speak to Roby at we, all? We've never spoke about it. <laughs> well, we spoke about it after, but we've not spoke about it for, God, it'd be nearly like 15, 16 years. I'll have to bring that up. He He's just signed to do another year. He's an absolute freak. So um, I'll bring it up to when he retires for sure. Who would have thought your rock, paper, scissors game would get you something so great? Yeah, I know. That's um, a clutch. So that, that's, that's what did you go? What did you, do you remember I, what you went? God knows, mate. I, I can't recall. But yeah, we did a rock, paper, scissors to see who'd finish the game. I reckon you went rock. 
and he went through the, just the old rock yeah, yeah, yeah just the old oh, rock <laughs> i can't remember but yeah that's that's my recollection of the game of it is that uh the build-up as well was i remember the build-up and, and and the nerves mm. but i was just a kid yeah i know oh yeah i was 20 19 or 20 i can't remember do you think it like i mean I was fortunate enough just to be a part of the wider squad of the Broncos 2006. So I wasn't, you know, when they won it, but I was just part of the wider squad. But I didn't appreciate what I was involved with. Like I didn't like we, we were we were holding the pads for them before they went down to Sydney, and the, the training ground was packed full of Broncos fans. And I was almost just like la di da, like there's the boys. I know the boys. I've been with them all year. I hold the pads. Yeah, all right, sweet. Good luck, boys. And now I look back, I'm like, I was a part of something historic. And I didn't appreciate. Is that? Did you, did you get the same feeling? What do you feel when you think back? I, th I think you. I, I was probably just in the moment. Yeah. And you know you. Yeah. You you do. I, I always stop to look and try and take a few mental photographs and mm. singing the national anthem, walking out at these big stadiums like that was it. Um, that was at Twickenham that one, <coughs> which was a bit strange. Like we we did eventually get to back to Wembley, which I, I can distinctively remember. Mm. But I don't know, yeah, you're just, you're young, you're in the moment, you're yeah. enjoying it, you're having fun, like you'd probably, like I did stop a little bit to take it all in, but probably not as much as I um, as I would have liked to. And I guess that's that's part of that is just being young, isn't yeah. it? We, you know, we often look back and go, oh, yeah. I would have done that. Yeah. Imagine being there now. It's like, well, you, you were, but yeah. there's nothing you can do about it. And so you get uh, selected uh, by Brian Noble. Uh, in a friendly against New Zealand and uh, score a try in your two, two, two tries. tries on debut, pretty much first touch as well. It no was a, it was way at Nosy Road, which is St. Helens ground. So and it was a pretty strong New Zealand team as well. So um, yeah, I got to make my, my British debut. What's it like? Do you remember, what do you remember from that? Like, do you remember calling your family, yeah. representing your country? Like mm. that's something so incredible. Yeah. I remember calling my granddad. Um, and tell him it was pretty cool yeah yeah what well, yeah, a special moment yeah because yeah and like tell my my dad as well and yeah that's it that's it there the 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 people you can you can impact it's just you at the time and, mm. and i didn't appreciate it it was just like oh you know like a bit shy and a bit almost embarrassed mm. but you look back now and you're like far out like the the journey that those guys have been on yeah. like, like not that they were ever doing it for us for the, um for me to make it or mm. to play for great britain but you know it means a lot and yeah they would have been happy if i had just you know given the game up at 19 but had fun as a kid like that's mm. why dad took me up and down the country or up and down the northwest was because he saw something that his kid liked, his son liked, and never to make it. But um, yeah, I know he was incredibly proud that day, as was you know my extended family as well. So that's 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 pretty cool, and to do it at St Helens, but mm. again, like different. Just no, don't think there was any embroidery on the jersey. Yeah, it's just you're playing for Great Britain. It was like right, let's let's go and do it. What was it like looking down and seeing that famous red and white? Yeah, well, that, that's what British kids aspire to do. Mm. That's what they aspire to do. And yeah, I was, yeah, blown away. 
I really was. Mm. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. So you scored two tries. Uh, and then also you, you reached the 2006 Super League Grand Final contest uh, against Hull FC. Played from the bench and you got a 26-4 victory. Yeah. Uh, mate. Yeah, so that 06 season, um, it's probably one of the greatest St. Helens teams that I've ever lived. Wow. Uh, throughout history. That's what they're up there with. There's a couple in the 60s that were pretty amazing as well and, quite, and the the present day team as well. They, mm. There's... It's a uh, it's up for debate who the the best ever Saints team yeah. was, but it was part of um, that that team in 06, Very special, like yeah, an incredibly tight knit group of players. Probably just I don't know if that was the worst thing to happen to us to to win the treble. Uh, we went on to beat the Broncos the year after. Yeah, I was just about to say. Time, so. What was that like playing like the NRL? Yeah, that that was that was that was crazy. That would have been. It was lucky in that playing. In that, I think they were. Would have been like Kay, uh, Carmichael would have been yeah. there. Hodges would have yeah. been oh, there. Oh, they had a stacked team. <clears throat> yeah. I remember they had a stacked team and just being like, "Wow, this mm. is." Yeah, I played against obviously the Australian schoolboys team, but this was like a game against the NR an NRL team. Yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, that was cool. Got the dub yeah. too. Eighteen yeah, yeah. fourteen. Yeah, it was one of those topsy turvy games, and yeah. just just managed to get it at the end. Paul Scorthorpe. Um Yeah, it was cool. And so basically, uh, it, 2007, you really make a name for yourself. You know, you get nominated for Young Player of the Year and you win for your club, I think, and then nominated mm. in Super League. Uh, you know, then you, 2008, you get named in the Super League Dream Team and you also win the Man of Steel Award. Uh, you know, this is your fourth successive St. Helens player to win it in the prestigious award. Uh, is 2008 the year where you really, I guess, went from a first grader to, oh, now I'm not necessarily a leader in a team, but a p player in a team that needs to make an impact. Otherwise, I'm not doing my job. Yeah, uh, most definitely. Mm. M most definitely. Uh, 08, I can remember. Uh, I think there was, we lost a couple of middle forwards. Uh, and then I sort of adopted the responsibility to take control of that middle of the field. Um, it was probably a, a big, like a big minute player. I knew my teammates were relying on me to do a big job and I had to step up. Mm. Um, yeah, oh, wait, 2008 was not not what you call like a, a breakout year, but certainly something a, a year that catapulted me into into like a, a super important role and, and the leadership role as well within okay. the group. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that was, you know, that's when you know, your halfbacks had turned to you and be like, Jamming, we need you to do this. Yeah, where you know previously, just get on and do your job. Mm. But it was like, no, no, we need <clears throat> you to sort of like you know had good relationships from a dummy half always. Mm. But it's like, no, no, mate, we need you here. Yeah, like this is you, this is on you. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Well, yeah. I want to do it because we'd lost some. Yeah, like I say some experience front rowers, and you got game time sort of jumped to. You know, sort of three quarters to, um, you know, eight, 80, 90 percent of most games that we played, like game time, like I see on the field. Yeah. So I knew that I knew the level of responsibility was high. Where does the Man of Steel rank for you? Look, it, it's an individual award. Mm. Um, looking back, you have time to reflect on your career. Um, I am, I'm pleased that I won. I don't know. I don't even know what the right the right word to use to describe it. I mean, 
it's a, yeah, it's an individual award, but like I was, I'd give I'd have like a team medal over that any day, mm. like absolutely any day. Mm. Yeah, like it's it's nice to be recognised, but for your individual contribution, but yeah, it's really not like you appreciate it, but yeah. it's not on the priority list for a rugby no. league player winning comps is. Yeah, absolutely, and. Mm. Yeah, like y- your names there up up amongst some, you know, British greats that had gone before you. But, you know, I don't think I ever had a goal to win the Man of Steel. Mm. I-, I had a goal to, you know, try and win a Premiership Challenge Cup, whatever it may be. But, um, yeah, that, that, again, is probably more the people around you. Mm. Like, mum and dad have still got that trophy in, yeah. the, in the living room. I'm like, oh, can you put it away now? Like... 14 years ago it's uh it's interesting i i like have this weird like with award shows they feel a bit strange to me because it's like and for a very long time i was like i don't like award shows it's all about me 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 you get up on the stage how great am i and it wasn't until i got a bit older that i realized it's the award shows aren't actually about the person that wins the award it's actually about the people that love him around him or her mm. and i think it's it's almost an award to represent for them yeah and that's why I think they're important. Like, I mean, I get the feeling for you, it's, it's, it makes you happy that it's made your family happy. Absolutely. You know? That, that's a great way of summarising it, is mm. that, yeah. And perhaps I didn't realise it at the time, but mm. I know, like, my parents would have been, like, so proud. Oh, man, so proud. So proud. And I'd probably at the time I'd be embarrassed of that fact, but mm. now I look back and I'm like, I'm, yeah, I'm... To, to be able to give them that feeling um, is, is pretty cool. I imagine it's kind of like a graduation, you know. Mm. They probably realised that I was never going to go to uni, so <laughs> yeah. kiss that goodbye. There's my d- diploma. Yeah. It's a man of steel. Is this. I was in a sort of nice suit as well, so yeah. they got the picture with that. Um, that's probably their way of saying he's, uh, he's landed. <laughs> okay, so you'd won by 2011 – You'd won two grand finals and lost one? No, we'd won one. Yeah. We won three Challenge Cups, World Cup Challenge, but then we'd lost 07, 8, 9, 10, and then yep. we lost 11. As yeah, well. wow. Just, yeah. So you'd won one, lost four by 2011? No, lost five. Five. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> hey, bro, you were in them. I wasn't yeah. even in them. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was in the stands in the nosebleeds. Uh, you were actually in them. I mean... I mean, the, the obvious answer is always like, yeah, I was gutted. Of course, yeah, 100%. But I guess w- every time that it happened and you were getting a bit older, were you becoming to realise like, I need to learn something from this? I mean, I'm assuming the first one is like heartbreak. The second one is like, you know, heartbreak. But then are you more coming around to, I need to take something out of this? Yeah, I think you, we always took something out of it. Mm. Um Maybe didn't learn as much as what we should have done. But the thing I'm most proud of is isn't like people ask, Oh, how did you how did you keep getting back up? I was like, Well, what's the alternative? Yeah. Just to give it up. Yeah. Or stop. Mm. No, come on. Mm. And I don't know, I guess for me I never even contemplated anything else. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm dejected, I'm gutted, I'm devastated. And those losses would creep up on you. 
you know, you'd go on holiday or whatever and mm. you're having a good time and then boom. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and then if that had have happened, yeah. fucking, I, I don't like that person that played for that team. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's celebrating and I'm here. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So those thoughts, like, it, it, it crept up on you. Yeah. But then, you know, but then if we'd have won those games, I still would have been motivated to go and, like, give it a red hot crack the following season. Mm. Um, like, tactically, could we have done things better or differently? Mm. In some of those games, yeah. In some of those games, you just, you give your best and the the rugby gods don't shine on you for mm. whatever reason. Um, I remember in one of those games, the last one, 2011, played Leeds. We were, we were in total control. We scored a try. They kicked the ball out on the full. Mm left with a decision do you take the two <clears throat> kick it to touch well we took the two but then what transpired from that is the next kick off like we lose two players for injury in that set of six or within the next it definitely won in that set of six yeah i look back and go well i was the skipper that day if we did kick the ball and if we'd have ran if we'd have got we got the penalty on the halfway to old trafford short pitch mm. if we just kicked it into the corner that player wouldn't have got injured who knows what would yeah. have happened and you're like but no, the right decision was to take the two because yeah. that put us eight points ahead. Mm. It's the right decision. Yep. Anyone would do it. Absolutely. But those are the things that y you think about. Yeah. But I think if you look back and go, no, it was the correct decision to do that. Would we have tactically done things in hindsight? Yeah, of course, beautiful thing. But um, more to the point is I just don't understand how... Well, sorry, no, I do understand how some people can't understand you for getting back up and going again and how that would you know deject them or haunt them but i um, i was very determined for that not to be you know the def defining moment i was fortunate to to win a, a competition with st helens in 2006 but i was never going to let that just be it mm. and um it took me to the very end to to win another one i will get to that fairy tale we'll get to that um okay so 2011 rolls around and there's a plenty of NRL clubs that are interested. Was this something that, you know, was it always a plan to eventually go to the NRL or was it something that as the years got closer to the eventual decision, you started to think, maybe I want to give the NRL a crack? No, so like I say, when I came on that tour at 15, I'd never really, I don't think I'd been on an airplane before. Wow. We'd been on some family holidays to, to France, but we drove down. Like, like I say, mum and dad did so much for us, but we... Um, we certainly weren't spoiled, but they did the best. And you know, so that best involved us family trip with the nine of us in a couple of cars down to France, which was fantastic fun as kids. Yeah. But, so anyway, yeah, never really been on an airplane. Come to Australia. I'm like, wow. The people people really care about their rugby league here. Yeah. And it's, it's on a pedestal. Mm. And to be fair, it's hard for me to say this, but I did kind of like it over here. I was like, hmm. This is nice. This is nice, yeah, nice part of the nice world. Nice weather it? and yeah, uh, yeah, it's kind of good standard of living. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, sort of went back and yeah, in you know reflection of my time in Australia, I was like, I think I was fifteen, just about to ten, sixteen, and sort of starting to dare to dream about where your career might take you. And I thought, yeah. if the opportunity comes, I've got to go. Like mm -hmm. I have got to go. Yeah. Then. Stopped making my way through the ranks at Saints, playing for England, Great Britain. Um, you know, 
won won some trophies there. And I got to a stage where I was like, right, okay. I was coming off contract at St. Helens. I think I'd done nine seasons there. Mm. Option for a testimonial season if I resigned. Saints were really keen to keep me. But I thought I, I, I've got, I've, I, I need to go. Like I've got to go. And the main reason I, I, I wanted to come, um, obviously I had that burning desire since I was a kid, but I got to a stage where I thought for my life, at Saint, if I stayed at St. Helens, I knew the trajectory that yeah. was going to go. I could sort of, knew we'd win some trophies. Uh, I was playing with mates, sort of knew where I'd be living. Kind of, you know, life, roughly speaking, was kind of mapped out. But I didn't want to go down that route and then get to retirement age or like 40, 50 and look back on life and go, I wonder what life would have been like if you'd have gone. Yeah. Like what, where where would it be now? Mm. What would life be like? What player would I have become? What person would I have become? So I thought, well, I have to go and answer that question. So if I don't go and answer that question, I'll, I'll always look back and think, what if? Like mm. it's a big what if moment. So I thought, well, I, I can go. And if it doesn't work out, like, I can just come back. Yeah. Like maybe not St. Helens, but. I'd mm. like to come back there. Like they're gonna look to find a replacement for me, obviously. Mm. But I thought I have to go and answer that question. Like mm. I can't live like this. So I the end of the two thousand and ten um four nations or whatever it was, I stayed over here and met a few clubs and yeah, when it comes to the crunch it was it wasn't really difficult for me to, to like well, sorry, it was difficult for me to leave St. Helens mm. like I have a huge place in my heart for that club still do still a St. Helens fan um, and part of that was the dream growing up was captain St. Helens I'm walking away from that to try something but yeah it wasn't easy but I uh, fundamentally I had to go and answer that question I just had to mm. and so why the Bulldogs what was the the reason for that because it wasn't like you're walking into a squad that was you know I know that you did turn into a powerhouse at the time but it wasn't the most obvious decision no no it wasn't i had uh interest from a, a couple of clubs but i was really uh impressed by the sort of vision that the bulldogs sold me mm. um and i trusted people that um that they were going in the right direction i probably didn't understand looking back i really didn't understand the dynamics of the nrl mm. And I didn't want to just come to the NRL. Like I said, like, oh, what would life be like? I'd, but, you know, the, that was very simplistic of it. But I just didn't want to, I didn't want to just come and make up the numbers. I wanted to come and try and, you know, attempt to win something and be yeah. competitive. Uh, the Bulldogs really, you know, sold me their vision on on the, where they were going as a club, uh, what plans they had. So... Yeah, there's a couple of other options, but then really when it got serious, Bulldogs were the obvious choice. And um, yeah, I'm delighted they went there. So you rock up to the doggies and uh, pre-season is in the heat. Oh, What was that first pre-season like for you? <laughs> horrendous. <laughs> horrendous. Like that was... <laughs> 
actually, can I get my passport? <laughs> get me out I've of here. And I've answered that question. <laughs> yeah. like, like, hot, hot, <laughs> horrible, humid. Get me home. And <laughs> um, no, it was it it was tough. Um, so previously as well, like I hadn't done a proper preseason for so long because being part of the national team. Yeah. Season in England starts the first week of Feb. Mm. So you're playing trials mid-Jan. Didn't really get that full block of conditioning. And then also back there, you, you're training. It's the pre-seasons in winter. Okay. So it's different. Like, it's hard. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of the time the grounds are frozen. You know, you can't do as much as what the trainers would like. But then obviously rocking up to Canterbury <laughs> in in the summer and Des had just come as well. Like yeah. so, so everybody was out to make an impression. Yeah. And Des's pre-seasons were just <sighs> horrendous. <laughs> and I think everyone will vouch for that. And mm. you know, a lot and, and and I know Canterbury had a had a reputation for training hard, but I think Des took that to a new level just with just the amount of training mm. we did so much. Um <clears throat> I can just remember being like overwhelmed by the the sheer amount of time we ha we spent there. Yeah, okay. Just being and even just adjusting to Sydney, something simple yeah. coming from England, adjusting to Sydney traffic. Mm. Oh. I was like, "What is going on? Why is it taking so long yeah. to get to like ten minutes we're, away? We're, is we're, an going hour away. we're going to ten, twelve kilometers. Mm. It's going to take me forty five minutes. Like, yeah, torture. What's that all about? Yeah, so, so that that took a bit of adjusting, and yeah, the the heat was. Mate, it, it was it was difficult. Like mm. It was really difficult. But then, but going into that super competitive environment where everyone's out to impress, co Premiership winning coach comes in, everyone's like, "Well, I want to stay." Mm. Like you know, we we know the, the season prior, I think the Bulldogs have finished ninth mm. or tenth. Everyone's out to make an impression because they want to stay under this coach. And um, yeah, it was very very competitive environment, but a great environment nonetheless. But yeah, the and then for me, that addition of the weather, oh, my poor old skin. Like, it took. <laughs> Were you lathered in sunscreen oh, every day? Yeah, but you know, the, like, I probably didn't appreciate it until a couple of years zinc. Because yeah. oh. obviously, you put the cream on. Yeah. And it sweats and as off. As soon as you sweat, it's like it's in your eyes. So yeah. I'm like running, <laughs> trying to run with <laughs> eyes half closed. But, yeah. Um, yeah, there was a bad. I I had a bad case of the blisters as well. Oh, but, really? Yeah, on like day week two. Oh no! And like on the back of the heels. Oh, but, you know, you just yeah. But it's one of them. And they just get worse and worse and worse. Can't, you can't moan. Yeah. You just got to crack on. Yeah. You've just got to crack on because if I'm up, yeah, just pad them. Soft white whatever, stuff on yeah, them. Just crack on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was. Um, it was it it was awesome. It was it and. But then, yeah, the length of the preseason. Mm. Like, you know, I, I only started back. I did some weights in the December, but then started back for real in the January, January, February. I was like, oh, I just couldn't wait for the season to kick off because I was over training. Yeah. And like some of those poor lads have been in since November the 1st. It was like... Just getting flogged. Oh, you don't man. see a football for the first yeah, fucking two, three, it, four weeks now. Brutal. Yeah. Like, absolutely brutal in that heat as well. Like, <sighs> I remember there was a day, like a 40 degree day. <laughs> we had this fan day up somewhere and we oh. went to big day out after it as well. Oh. It was 40 degrees. Yuck. And I just was like, <laughs> I, I drove to big day out. I had a car spot, a P1. I was like, I, I'm going. <laughs> like, I, 
Also, this is a joke. Like, I am not designed for this. <laughs> it was 40 degrees. It was 2012. I was like, get me out of here. <laughs> okay, so the first year, what I wanted to ask you, like the Bulldogs, I feel really, I don't know if they invented it, but I feel like they definitely began the trend of ball playing forwards. So, you know, usually it was you had front rowers that took it up. So they might run in twos, but it's usually just to make sure that yeah. you keep defenders off them. Um, but I really feel like the Bulldogs were the first to go, no, as a front rower, you can actually hit out the back and you can actually even two pass and then hit out the back as a front rower. Was that an active, did you have a big say in that or was that from Desi? Because it's, it's really interesting that you, you from a young age felt that you needed to introduce that to your game and then you were a big part of that being introduced to, you know, the NRL. Uh, well, I, I'd always had that sort of shape around me in England. I'd mm. used that quite effectively. Um, I used to, you know, be quite insistent that the players around me give us shape, give us options, create fatigue in the men, in, create fatigue, not just physical fatigue, because as a defender, you can just make those one-out tackles all the yeah. time. But if you've got to actually think mm. and, you know, be constantly asked questions of, it fatigues you mentally. So I wanted to try and do that. So I'd always encourage support. And then I, to be, to be totally honest with you, I think we just had some forwards who could play with the ball. We had mm. Des as a, a bit of a visionary that would watch games from like Eagle Cam and he'd go, well, okay, well, if we do that, mm. look at all this space that's created. Oh, here. mate. It would like, strip teams of yeah, numbers so constantly. I th from my recollection, it was a bit of both of us. Myself, yeah. Cassiano, Tolman that all liked to play with the ball. Eastwood, um, for Nukin a little bit later on, but you know, Corey Payne to a to an extent, like so all the forwards were naturally quite comfortable. Mm. Um, I was always used to it. And I think it was sort of we'd we'd do some scrimmage like thirteen on thirteen in in the in the practice sessions and it sort of just came from that. And I think maybe Des perhaps had watched some of my previous games, see me do it, um and then sort of introduced it to us as a as a way to play, but it went from a couple of, you know, a couple of forwards passing the ball to one another to actually like, I and mean, it was basically our integral game plan where mm. it was, you know, that was our setup. Yeah. Like each and every setup, roughly speaking, was, you know, we'd get to a point on the field and we'd have that that shape of middle, middle, half back edge, you know, to yeah. to look to look to play look to play all the time mm. it was always an option to play mm. there was there was structure to it um you know you know about where we were required to get to uh, and I, I just don't think at that time defenses were were, were ready for those options mm. and it just fatigued them and just they it, it took them like a, a real season to to get to get used to it yeah absolutely so that year you make your grand final in the first year i mean what was like your first year in the nrl you're going to a grand final what was the build-up like you know were you taken aback by it were you used to it what was it yeah well i've been involved in so many in england and mm. yeah it, it was nothing like it's, it's an event here yeah it's, it's an event it's a week-long event with the lunches and the media access and and all that sort of stuff but yeah, it, uh, it it didn't go to plan. Melbourne were fantastic, and they really shut us down defensively. With you know, there's some, I think there was like four or five times um, 
who was it the winger for Melbourne like just kept blocking those plays Benny Barber at the back yeah Cecil Wong yeah that was it and just shut us down it was a master stroke from Bellamy and yeah. he sort of didn't didn't really have a plan B well so we did have a bit of a plan B but it just just yeah we just couldn't get to it you know the, you look back now and you go oh, just early kicking behind and away yeah. we go but fair play to Melbourne they they, they <clears> got the victory but yeah it was probably like looking at it and in terms of where the vision of the club was sold to me probably wasn't expected to be you know competing for a grand final in in season one that was probably expected like you know two or three seasons away yeah wow and so was it a bit of a bittersweet season for you because you get all the way to the grand final you have a great year but you lost it you know yeah yeah i mean probably again wasn't expected but you know you you get yourself into that position where you know, your expectation now is that you're going to win it we were minor premiers mm. probably not too dissimilar to you know you look back and you go oh yeah but you would have taken that from the start but it's not the start yeah the standards have yeah. changed yeah the standards have changed like it's not like I say not too dissimilar to the broncos this year sure where the people go oh yeah but you would have taken you would you would yeah, we didn't expect you to be in the top eight or we had you around yeah. that middle eight but oh it's a pass because you would have taken it at the start of the season but it's not the start of the season yeah like they were in a position to make the top four yeah but you know would you have taken that at the start of the season absolutely mm. but it's not the start of the season yeah you know at round at round 18 would the broncos have taken finishing ninth mm. well, no they and wouldn't and that's that that was similar to that bulldogs 2012 season where you go yeah at the start of the season yeah make a grand final absolutely yeah where, where do we sign yeah but then when we got there it was like no not make it win it yeah well, that's that's football that's life yeah it's well it's like when you say you know and it's it's furthering your point like you would have taken that at the start of the season you are not the same you mm. as a yeah, start of the exactly, season yeah so yeah, you're not it's, it's just not the same no, it's just not the same um okay so you you end up getting back into the the grand final 2014 uh and this was the against the rabbitos yeah um you know what like again what was it was it different build up this time was did was there a memory was there talk about the fact that you'd lost so it's, it's yeah not that long there, was ago? A, there was always talk about losing so many but you'd, whatever you'd, it's not the it's same and then the, you know the bulldogs had come from nowhere that season that, mm. that season in 12 we minor premiers 14 come from seventh <clears throat> not expected to be there but we were and obviously the build-up was around the two british players that well not just the two british players but the two you know sam Burgess is big sammy he's the uh he's the man for Souths, and yeah. he's from england and James Graham from the Bulldogs. He's from England as well. He Walk us through that brothers mil first tackle. How? Yeah, the, it was just, written. It was written well, in the stars. There was so much build up. We, well, Sam and I. Oh, excuse me. That's right. Sam and I are great mates. Yeah, great mates. But we knew that there was a sideshow there with being from England. Uh, we'd clashed in the past on the field. Uh, nothing too bad, but just you know. I'm trying to do the best for my team. He's trying mm. to do the best for his. I don't care what colours he's in, whether it's for Bradford Balls or South Sydney or mm. whoever, he, Bath. I don't care. If I was playing the opposition team, like we're, we're going to come together. We're playing in the middle. So there was a lot of talk in the build-up to it about, you know, this battle of Britain and what's going to go down. And 
Yeah, they probably couldn't have scripted it any better. Could oh they? my we just, god! I remember it was Michael Innes had got injured in the in the in the semi against Penrith. It was like our captain's gone. They nominated me. Me and Trent Hawkinson share the captaincy. So I remember going out to do the toss. I was desperate to kick off. Won the toss, kicking off. Like, okay, here we go. Sorry. You're getting tired thinking about it. Like, oh man, my head. Fucking health my noggin. again. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, so yeah, we we're kicking off. I remember, I remember, like, I wanted it to go right because that was my favorite shoulder. I wanted to make an impact at the start. Mm. Um, said to Trent Hawkinson, make sure you kick this deep to the right. But then I look and I'm like, hang on, that's Sam back there. Yeah. What is he doing there? Because he was playing 13. 13s aren't supposed to stand back there. Yeah. But he knew. He went, and he said this, like, he went back there to take the first run. Because he wanted it. He, he wanted it. Yeah. And I wanted that first bit of action. So <laughs> I was like, well, oh, I remember thinking, like, oh, shit. I wish that was Dave Tyrrell. <laughs> but um, no, it's Sam. And then remember saying, Trent, Hocko, lad, just kick it deep. Like, I need you to, like, kick this deep, mate. Mm. So he does, and I'm hurtling down there, and I was like, oh, shit, here he comes. And then I remember just hitting him with everything I had, but, like, our faces sort of collided. So yeah. cheek, people don't realize, this was, it was cheek on cheek. Yeah. It, it wasn't, like, accidental shoulder contact to the head. It was cheek on cheek. Yeah. Like, and for those people, I'd say, oh, you, you meant it. Like, I... Are you actually oh in, like? Are you actually in? Oh think about God. how difficult that would be <sighs> to actually try and accomplish. Think like, about how dangerous that is. Da well, like for yourself, yeah, yeah, for yourself. Like, but just how difficult that yeah. would be oh. to actually execute Impossible, at really. that speed. Yeah. To go, I'm going to I, to try and do that. Yeah, like it's just anyway. So dumb. So dumb. So. We sort of caught, we collision, we come out of it, and I'm like, ooh. And then we just sort of cracked on with the the rest of the game for a little bit, and then it wasn't until we um, we made, uh, Bulldogs made a mistake, and we're at a scrum, and I've just gone like, oh, shit, yeah. Sam, you all right? Mm. He's like, I'm like, mate, seriously, you all right? And he's like... <laughs> Fucking old bitch, it's bad, you know. <laughs> like, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Like trying to like sort of get in his head to get him off. But yeah. um no, that was the, that was the beginning, but we just yeah, we let ourselves down that day. Um the dogs, we we were we were desperate. Uh we were willing to be desperate, but we were we were desperate in the first twenty minutes defending our line and we just um we just didn't have enough sales for it was written in the stars for the South City. Yeah. It really was, and I, and I give full credit to them, but uh, Bulldogs just didn't, didn't, we didn't give ourselves the best opportunity to win that game. We were, mm. we saved our, our worst for last, which was, yeah, unfortunate, but yeah, that's football. So with, with the, the, the Bulldogs, like this is a, such an interesting time in the club because it was so dramatic in regards to, you know, Desi Hasler getting moved on, but he get, got, just got re-signed. And then, you know, there's one party saying that it was Desi's fault. He back-ended all these contracts. And then there's another party saying, well, Desi doesn't sign the contracts. It's a chief accountant and uh, chief financial officer. And so there is just so many conflicting stories. And obviously you only know so much, but, you know, what, 
was it like for you personally in that situation and eventually you obviously moved to the Dragons? Yeah, look, I, my time at the Bulldogs didn't end how I would have liked it to. Um, but I don't look back and be bitter about it, and that's very important. But at the time, it was a, a little bit of that was going on. It's their fault. Yeah. Um, I never really got to the bottom of it. I, I don't. I don't know if I need to. Um, I, I. I was very grateful for for the Dragons, especially um, Paul McGregor, for for making me feel valued again. I I left. Well, basically. I, I knew what was going on, but I trusted some people that uh, I, I went for answers and probably didn't get them. Like, I knew we were going to be over the salary cap, but I wanted to be, at the time, I wanted to be part of the solution. Yeah. I didn't want to, didn't want to look for the door. Yeah. I was like, no, I want to, I want to, I want to fix this. I want to be part of the solution. It was, you know, in no uncertain terms, it was made clear to me yeah. that um, if I didn't leave, we wouldn't be playing for points because wow. we were too far over the cap. Wow. Well, I was like, well, that's not my responsibility. Yeah. Like, I, I, you, you've signed these plays, not yeah. me. Yeah. Like, you, why do, and then it was, you know, the more I thought about it, it was like, well, okay, I, you know, perhaps, you know, a change would be, would be good for me. I think mm. it was. Um, but again, I've got to stress this. I don't look back at the time of the Bulldogs and go, oh, well, the relationship was finished on a bad note. So then therefore it's all bad. Like most relationships in life, they finish on that, mostly negative notes yeah. like through you know you whether it's a, a personal relationship or a relationship with a, a football club is it ends you know unharmoniously kind of thing mm. and it did but that doesn't mean i look back badly i could things have been handled better at the time absolutely do i understand why people said or behaved the way they did i i, I get it mm. but when you're on the receiving end of it you kind of left a bit a little bit disappointed but again that's not to overshadow the fact that you know all the relationships i look back on and, and smile and i'm glad they happened and mm. um, but yeah it was it you know it was disappointing to i was very very upset that last game um to, to leave and but that's that's part of that's part of life isn't it sometimes you you do things that you you don't want to do and then then, then a new door opens up and a new challenge and uh, onto the red V it was. Do you, you know, that might be a tough question, but do you think Desi's a, a premiership coach? Do you think he... I, I do, yes. I, I think he... Um, I, I, th I think he is. D does he pro pro likely need to change a few things? I think he does. Mm. And, you know, you can... I... I, I Des loves to be in control yeah. and he, he he tries so hard to do everything and he he's very um he struggles with giving responsibility away and, and and decision making away without being checked off by him i'd like to see him give some more responsibility to people mm. but again i've not, I've not worked under Des for for five or six years but i i i'm if he if he was still like that um, that's that's likely where he, he needs to change. I think I was speaking to someone about um, Craig Bellamy down in, in Melbourne saying, oh, no, but Des is just like Bellamy where they've got to control everything. And they said, no, that's how Craig used to be. Yeah. But he evolved and, and, and give people ownership of decisions w without them having to check into him. I, 
I don't know if if Des is on that route or not. Mm. Um, but that certainly was happening towards the back end of the the time at Canterbury. Um, now he's obviously at, at Manly. He did r- really really well last year. Top four. You know they started the season dreadfully, and and, and you know, perhaps we do overanalyze. Mm. If you look at their season this year, you go, well, they were they just beat Melbourne. They were primed for a spot in the top four. And the, let's not forget, notwithstanding they lose Tommy Tavoyovich, they're clearly their best player. Yeah. Everything revolves around. Oh, yeah. And then the Pride Jersey fiasco, <coughs> where again there's a bit of that going on. Yeah. You're like, well Yeah. It's not not a good recipe for and then, success. And then Everyone looks at you as all deaths is the problem. It's like, well, is it? Yeah. There's so many other things that we yeah. can literally see going on that's not even his control. Yeah. Um, but like anyone, we, we all look to, to learn and grow. No mm. one's immune from criticism or making mistakes. And um, I fundamentally, like the important thing is I, I, I know Des would work harder than harder than anyone I'd be willing to walk to the edge of the earth for him like when I was under or like when he was me gaffer yeah I'd, I would have done anything for him mm. yeah. yeah wow um you're right though in regards to Bellamy I think it's a very underappreciated thing Bellamy has changed a lot as a mm. coach uh and I don't think people you know we see the blarps in the the coaches box or mm. whatever uh, but he has evolved massively over the last 20 years. And, you know, if you've been watching him closely, even the characters he has in his team, you know, 10 years ago, he wouldn't have had guys like Munster Cheese. But he realises that the generations have changed and you need yeah. to, you know, and, and it's like, you know, who am I to speak on Bellamy's, you know, talent? Like, But, you know, outside looking in, he's improved and change dramatically yeah and you've got to because play each generation is a little bit different and, and, and the game evolves yeah. and play evolves if you look you know having you know this i i reckon melbourne have still got their their core values um around uh play the ball speed mm. but then you look at how they attack they've gone from that structure which would be very regimented uh you look to this is how we break down a team mm. and now it's that um instinctual style that those players that can just boom, think on the move and go. go. Okay, but then there'd be a, some structure to help create that environment, i.e., you know, we're going to put Big put big Nelson on an edge that's going to, you know, go into their three defender. Mm. We need you to do this for us, Big Nelson, because what the, what this is, you know, the plan is to generate a quick play the ball and then, hey, Munster, Pappenhausen, Hughes, boom, just yep. go. Yeah. And here's some little things that you might do. Fundamentally, you're going to be facing this situation. We'll practice for this situation or that situation. Mm. And here you go. You, you own it now. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you to put this player here or the, out the back or you know get on the two-man, the three-man, or go back at the middle. Just, hey, here's, here's some options. Here's what it might look like. Yeah. But if it doesn't, it might look like this and then go. Yeah. Here's the initiative. Yeah. It, it's where I don't think that necessarily would have happened. It would have been more, okay, here we are to the point. We'll do this to the B. See, yeah, mm. and then we score in the corner. Well, Ken Smith says it's, uh, the loss after Cronulla in the grand final that's when they changed their game. Mm. They said they, they can't continue to their attack, just wasn't what it needed to be in the new era. And then you're right, like they, they're an attacking powerhouse now. Mm. Um, and their whole spine is totally different to their old spine. Billy mm. Slater, Cronk, with it for a period, and mm. Smith, 
very different to Grant, Munster, Hughes, mm. Pappenhausen. Like these, they're not even close to the mm. same kind of players. And there's a difference between as well. There's a, a huge distinction, and a lot of teams do it. The, sorry, the really good teams do it well, where they don't play laterally because mm. you get caught by playing lateral, but you play with width. Mm. And there's a key distinction. You yeah. play too lateral, and it's just hands, hands, hands. You don't really go anywhere. Yeah. But if you play with width, it's just that long ball out of dummy half. Yeah, Harry Grant does it so well. Yeah, and it and you have that little, you have a guy there disguised that might take the ball. So as a defender, you mark up on him. Yep. And before you know it, the ball has traveled, not back, it's almost like a line ball across. Yeah, yeah. And they play with width, which moves the defense. And it's like, it's, it, it's, it's it's fantastic mm -hmm. it, when when it's done well. It's and, it's and it's so difficult to stop. Yeah, like it's so so difficult to. It's all in the advantage line too. Mm. So the decisions uh, yeah. are with uh, the advantage line, yeah. not lateral. Yeah, with the advantage line, there's yeah. a huge difference. Um, okay, so you decide to go to the Dragons. Mary McGregor gets you there. You know, how would you sum up your time at the Dragons? You'd made finals footy twice or once? No, nah, just that, that just first year in in eighteen. And you beat the we, Broncos. We beat the Broncos, yeah. Yeah, we, we were. That that season in eighteen, look back on and go, well, that was a big what if. Mm. And yet we talk about the rugby league gods; they just weren't shining on us. Yeah. So that was the year they we we were dominating that competition, but then they relaxed the rules. So that was the big crackdown on penalties, heaps uh, of penalties. Okay. We were we were really disciplined, mm. but then there was media commentary pressure from the game. Where it was like. Uh, we're sick of watching this. Mm. Got to let the game flow. But they were so close. I, I believe the NRL was so close to getting teams to conform because they were. It was yeah. getting frustrating. Yep. And then what we realised is we'll stay disciplined. Yeah. The other team can lay on, but we'll get the penalties and we'll eventually take advantage of it. Yeah. Plus we had a really strong roster. Everyone was fit. Then I think we lose Paul Vaughan, who was playing State of Origin that year. We lost him with like two rounds to go, season-ending injury, which mm. was like. Fuck. And then um we in that in that game against Brisbane, we won but we lost Gareth Widdup with his shoulder. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. And, and he was like, playing some great oh, footy. Mate, he was he was the the best six in the competition mm. by a country mile. Mm. But then you lose him. <laughs> like what are we gonna do? Like lose and then we played South Sydney. I'd I'd been knocked out the week before. Six days later, I yeah I I played, but yeah I won't go into too much about that. But then we lose Tarek Sims. Mm. They score a couple of tries down his down his edge where Simsy would have been. Yeah, you know, and then I think Adam Reynolds kicked three field, goal, field oh, goals. Yeah. That and then but then hey, if we progressed, like we we were busted. Yeah, like Sims were, Sims had gone. Vaughn had gone Widdup. and Widdup had gone. And yeah. you're like, eh. Yeah. Like, the two origin forwards and the best five, like, the main attacking weapon. Mm. And, you know, you just, you then you're left to wonder. Yeah. You're left to wonder about what might have been. Yeah. But, hey. Footy. As we Footy. say. And then, yeah, but we, we gave it. We, we gave it everything mm. that year. We really did. Um, You know, the... The following couple of seasons didn't go to plan. Uh, there were some external reasons as as to why that was. Some big changes structurally, how the NRL um, were handing out their punishments. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's it certainly didn't finish how I would have liked it to. 
And you, you were there with the whole Paul Mary McGregor, I guess, saga. Um, I guess, was that tough for you? Because I, I feel like you had quite a good relationship with Mary. Yeah, re- really, really tight relationship with him. Mm. Um, I value his friendship a, a lot. And, you know, to see a man that you, you, you admire sort of getting a- attacked was 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 difficult and I didn't like it and I tried for my performances to and I tried to motivate the group to to perform for him mm. but it just it just wasn't working there was just too many distractions that were happening happened in in 19 and um and then in in, in 20 as well the that that lingered on and and then COVID hit and yeah, uh, I think I'd left before before oh, Mary got yeah. sacked. So you leave, you go back to St. Helens um, and you play in the 2020 Super League Grand Final. Uh, you win 8-4 in a dramatic finish. And I, I just that f- incredible video of you standing after just going like, this is the last game and, and just amazing. I posted on my social media when it happened. Walk us through that Grand Final and just just to end your career on that mate come on yeah it, it couldn't have been scripted any better and like all good sporting stories there's plenty of subplots yeah and um, you know from my own personal experience i i we we've been through the covid lockdown we played two games to start the season the two games after that and we lost the the dragons lost to the dogs and i um i was gonna stop playing straight away with immediate effect yeah well um, got on the phone to Paul Wellens, good friend of mine back in England. And um, long story short, he was saying like, Luke Thompson's coming to Oz. I was like, no, it's next year. He's like, no, it's coming now. Option there. We spoke to Christian Wolf, Mike Rush, the CEO and, ch- and coach of Saints. Got a deal sorted pretty quickly. But hey, moving across the world is difficult. Yeah, with doing kids it a, dude. With kids. Oh. And doing it in a global pandemic oh. is even more difficult but then also the plan was to move for six months and come back yep. so it it wasn't like okay we're going on like a three-year deal we'll get used to life there or yeah whatever. yeah so yeah we're go and then come back. come back to australia so it was it was bizarre uh from visas getting knocked back to you know trying to organize flights in a pandemic and and, and all that sort of stuff it was get the house you know up for rent all that sort of stuff it was cr- it was it, it was bizarre obviously go, go there um knowing it's my last season we actually went and wasn't sure that the season was going to kick off like that was that wasn't guaranteed at the time st helens weren't doing particularly well in the table at that moment in time either so um yeah it was it was a bit of a well it's a huge decision it was like well okay I'm not going to end my career here in, in Australia. I'm going to go back there with this opportunity to win a premiership. But then all these, I had to be really careful with how I went back. Mm. It's not the same club I left. Yeah, It's changed. I'm not the same person. Yep. I need to be really mindful of how I act, behave, yeah. the way I talk. Uh, even, you know, like you go into England camp and you don't mention the NRL because... Oh, uh, yeah, you okay. know, all yeah, that's yeah, all, yeah. That, it's, it's, it's all a good, joke, light-hearted yeah. banter, yeah. but it's like, okay, uh, like, you know, sometimes I go, like, oh, like, you know, to wind the trains up, 
Oh, in the NRL, we, just, <laughs> we, we, we never lifted like this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, just, just, yeah, right. yeah. So I made a bit of a joke of it, but still yeah. I had to be mindful of that. Yeah, but it was sure. great. I went back. James Roby was still there. Someone I came through with. Really good older crew. Yep. Um, and yeah, we get to that. The season comes back on. We start playing. We're playing really well. Get back up to near the top of the league and um, make our way in the playoffs. But, you know, just like any... Uh, sorry, a lot of good sporting stories. There's um, great subplots and, you know, uh, a social backdrop happening. Mm. So there's no there's no crowd at the game. We were in, yeah. a, we were in a national lockdown. Oh, we're playing at Hull, uh, um, the Casey Stadium in Hull in front of no fans. <clears throat> mm. And it was... Yeah, Yuri. If you were if you were to to script how a final would go, you know that we've not even mentioned the fact it's the biggest derby in rugby league as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, St Helens Wigan. Mm. Like we've not even got to that. Yeah, Crazy. and still all these little subplots. You know, myself and Sean O'Loughlin, a legend of Wigan. He's retiring. Like you know, our careers were were gonna get again. We had the shared both had the same shared outcome desired outcome yeah we couldn't we couldn't share it Far only out. one of us could get it yeah you know there was no next season then yeah like it's it's that or it's nothing yep. you know it's oh, it's the rest of your life yeah. thinking about that last <laughs> yes, game exactly mm. so from it I, I say this like it was the most from i think that'll be the most important day of my life yeah well yeah because it's almost like it puts a cap on a career of just contentment, I assume. Like for you, just like, <sighs> yeah. It did. It didn't. Didn't make up for any of those losses, mm. but it it certainly helped. Oh, mate! And it helped with my just how I thought about the future, the mm. way I act now, and mm. um, put me at peace. So walk us through the game, and if I recall correctly, there was a you know. Oh, it was a very close game, but the deciding moment was a, a kick that bounced yeah. poorly. So but walk us through it, the game. So there was only prior to that, we'd scored two penalties. So we were four up. Then Wigan scored, missed a conversion. This is obviously a very quick summary of how the game was. Then mm. with about 90, no, there'd be about a, yeah, about 90 seconds to go. Wigan get a Wigan received a penalty about 45 meters out mm. and I, i've just gone oh here we go again this is it they're gonna win six four it's like it's done in <sighs> fact i think i booted something oh, really? i was like so angry i was like this is just not like why did we give that penalty away mm. oh and then anyway yeah <laughs> so, taking the conversion tommy making catches the ball runs it back it's chaos, but we trained for chaos. We mm. were comfortable in chaos. Everyone's like, right, okay, we're back on, make our way down the field. Um, and the plan was get to the point and our left winger, Tommy making comes in to take the field goal. Mm. We're, he's about 40 meters out and he s strikes his field goal. As the ball gets passed from dummy half, mm. the siren goes. So this is in itself. It's like you get the field goal to clinch the final mm. at one point. He smokes it. He runs off doing these ones. Yep. Hits the hits the bar. Bounces down. Or did it hit the crossbar? I can't anyway, it's just a schmozzle. Yep. But Jack Wellsby's chased down along with some of the other St. Helens players, but the, that that was in the DNA to chase lost causes. Mm. 
and look at the ball bounce. Bevan French sort of miss miscues the ball. Jack Wellsby's there to score the try. Total elation, but I'm just like, whoa, hang on a minute. This I'm not gonna we don't know if he's onside, don't yep. know if he's grounded, don't know if he's put a foot in yeah. touch. Like what like this could be the greatest moment that never was. Mm. Just hold on. And obviously we see it now with VAR in sport and mm. you can't be too sure. You can't be too sure you gotta wait. I, like I wasn't doing anything till the word try went up on that screen. Yeah. So I'm like watching it. I'm like I don't even know. I I just I just don't know. Mm. Like it, like then oh clearly he's on and then I heard the Wigan bench cheer saying he's offside. <laughs> I'm like, oh, right, okay, well exit you know, all is not lost kind of thing. Mm. Um and then the fourth official came to me, he's like, James, he's gonna give it. I was like, mate, go away, because I'm just gonna wait. <laughs> I, I don't care. Don't do this yeah, to don't me. I no wait, wait, wait. And then yeah, those three three letters came up and pandemonium, like just internal combustion. <laughs> I was just freaking out. And then yeah, I was so grateful for that club um to give me that closure. Yeah. And put me at peace. Like I owe a lot to Jack Wellsby, Mike Rush, Christian Wolf, mm. uh, and all the extended playing group. It was yeah, it meant meant the world to me. Like they like I say this all the time, like rugby league, it's made up game with made up rules, mm. but it brings communities together mm. and it makes grown men cry. <laughs> like, yeah. how cool is that? Yeah. Like, what is it? What is it about sport that does that? It's, it's, like you win and you cry. Like, yeah. It's bizarre. You yeah. end your career and you cry tears of joy. It's so, so strange, mm. but it, it, it speaks to the soul and to do it with all the ba social backdrop of, of COVID and, being in a national lockdown and yeah if anyone from the british government is listening we uh we kept our distance in our celebrations of in course. the changing room of, of course. course we uh, yeah. we all had our masks on on the yeah. bus on the bus on the on the on the coach journey back yes. we were all in our kits still yeah uh, but we all of course had our masks absolutely on and uh, just went home and enjoyed and didn't quite didn't one celebrate <laughs> at all um <laughs> for a couple of days after um <laughs> was actually looking into to how gatherings could happen during the global pan pandemic. Now, if yeah. you were to have an organized protest yeah. that was allowed, so we looked into doing that. <laughs> um, but we came out of national lockdown on the Wednesday. Now, bizarrely, this is so, so bizarre. <laughs> um, one of the rules of coming out of national lockdown is you could, go, you could go to the pub, but you could only go to the pub with members of your own household. You couldn't meet people there. Yeah, okay. Bizarre. So, What's the point in going to the pub? Yeah. Gonna meet. But if someone that you knew happened to be there, oh. you could keep your distance. Yeah. <laughs> you had to keep your distance. But if they were there and you were there, then that's fine. But you know, not on the same table or, you know, you, hey, Billy, <laughs> I was locked down. Shit. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Annoying, isn't it? I wish I could come over to you, but I can't. I've keep one and a half meters away. Yeah. Anyway, I thought, I know. I know we can get around this. <laughs> so I rang um, the landlord of the one of the pubs in St. Helens. I opened up on Wednesday. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, oh. I said, could we get 28 tables for one? He goes, yeah. So, so and then give us 28 tables for one on Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> Three o'clock. 
<laughs> All right, then. So we walk, like, one by one, we walk into this pub, and I was like, lads, listen, like, this is a massive favour. Yeah. We can't be recording each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. Like... Can't carry on too much. Can't be carrying... Like, we can't carry on. Like, you know, it's... National lockdown's ended. Families are going out. Like, mm. you know, we'd have, we've sorted this. Like, we've got to be on our best behaviour. It was our presentation night after that as well. And we were mm. like, we don't want to be too bad going into presentation night. And Yeah, we've gone 28 tables for one. <laughs> it's about three or four beers later. It's, it's like the away end. <laughs> so, yeah, but the, you know, all the staff and the landlord, I'm not going to mention the pub in case they get into trouble. But, uh, yeah, it was fantastic. And we went to the presentation night after that. And yeah. yeah, we didn't keep our distance no. either. So, yeah. But yeah, dude, it was some great memories. And although we would have loved to our, to have um, not just the fans celebrate with us at the stadium, but also, you know, our friends and family and loved ones, like mm. we spoke about, they're, yeah. they're, part, they're a huge part of the journey and, and likely and probably means more to them than what it does to us. But mm. it, it, unfortunately, we couldn't have those people with us that mean everything to us. Like my, my family couldn't be there at my last game. My, my partner and kids couldn't be there at my last game. My mum and dad couldn't, but... Um, Neither could it, and it was the same for, for everybody else. You know, we had um, Zeb Taya, he, he was playing in his last game. He couldn't have loved, loved ones, you know, fly over from Australia, um, couldn't have, have his um, wife and kids there either. So we, we were all in the same boat, but it kind of, we celebrated together mm. and, you know, there was no going off to different bars, hanging yeah. out or whatever. It kind of made it even better because it, it did, brings it, you it, in. It was just us together. Yeah. It was just us together for those next two days, or two days. Um, yeah it was it, it was pretty special and um yeah some fantastic memories made there it really was when you're sitting behind the i don't know if it was the the podium or i just remember footage of you by yourself behind what are you thinking in that moment i well i remember um remember it finishing we've lifted the trophy like I just wanted to take in as much as possible. This was the last time mm. I was going to exit the rugby league field as a player. And I just remember looking around, trying to take it all in, but there was nothing really to take in other than the lights. Mm. Um, and I just, I wanted to be the last person off. Mm. I wanted to be the last person. I don't like, what does it matter? Mm. Like if, when you leave, but I was like, no, this is, this is the lights, the lights out moment. This is the, yeah chapter closing um still had some celebrations to do and, and whatnot but for actually playing this yeah. is going to be the last time that you walk off that, that walk rugby off league that field rugby league field as a in a playing capacity yeah this is it. it's done um even you know and i'd had those moments like can you progress like into the finals i'm like this could be my last gym session yeah this could be my last ever speed weight session mm. and then it is and then it's like I'll never have to do this bullshit exercise. Ever <laughs> um, no more pre-seasons. Yeah, I'll never, I'll never have to do a Turkish get up oh. or a speed. Like I, I, I still, I still train. I yeah. still do weights, but it's fun weights. Fun weights. Like yeah. What I want to do, yeah. not this. Some, some of the weight thing. Oh man, like, who's invented this? And what are you going to get from that? Knock, not knocking the sports scientists out there, but <laughs> some of the exercises they get you to do are just yeah, yeah. So not doing, and then yeah, but leaving the field, I was like. Oh man, this is this is it. Like this is, yeah. You can pull a curtain down on this huge chapter of life, and it's it's over. 
and it's over exactly how I couldn't have dreamt it to go. Four hundred like couldn't have, couldn't have scripted the ending um, any better. And I just I remember that overwhelming feeling. I was like, just try and take in as much as you can here, mm -hmm. James. Just try and take it in, take it in, take it in. Yeah. And I don't know if that made it better or worse, but I just yeah, I I I think there was myself, um, Mike Rush, who who was the St Helens CEO, but he was also in a previous life he was my under 11s academy coach oh, so yeah. he's been on this journey with me and he wow. was there and uh, Christian, and i was like right, lads you go i just want to be the mm. sort of last to go yeah and yeah it was pretty cool incredible incredible 423 that's it just an amazing achievement mate I, we could talk honestly for hours i feel like there's so many different areas like we haven't spoken about your international career or anything like that but um Mate, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I really do appreciate it. What an incredible career. Absolutely incredible. And I just love the poetic ending. You mm. know, that does not happen. That doesn't no, happen. it's not supposed to, is it? Um, it's not supposed to. I'm you very fortunate. It. You weren't it. I, well, we ain't it. The yeah. team did. Uh, and that's my family as well. Mm. My family and the team I played for, we ain't it. It's, um, yeah, I always get funny about, oh, I want to go and final now. Mm. We didn't. We did. Yeah. Yeah, we did, or we lost it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but absolutely. Yeah, it was an incredible ride. Um, I'll pay a price for it, no doubt. Um, but it was a price that was willing to be paid. Mm. I I owe um, most of the positive things in my life to the game. Mm. Uh, it gave me an opportunity. I was just a kid from Liverpool with you know aspirations to to make it in a chosen. In a, in a sporting arena, mm. um, give me. A I had to take that opportunity, and people around me really helped me. Mm. Uh, from all those junior coaches uh, to the professional coaches, mentioned Daniel Anderson. Um, I'll be forever grateful for that. But um, fundamentally, that the gratitude is to the game to mm. give me the platform, the opportunity, and it's going to look like it's going to continue to give me an opportunity to 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 lead a. An exciting exciting life and um, whatnot so yeah mate i think that's a perfect way to end this make sure to listen to the buy around head noise as well you got apple spotify youtube as well you type in the buy around on instagram as well some of the biggest names in rugby league absolutely incredible interviews thank you so much for coming on brother appreciate it not my pleasure thank you boom